the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Locked on Hoax. Colby Powell with you on a Thursday. You might be thinking, why are you on on a Thursday? You usually come on on Wednesdays with Dion Amade. Dion could not join me yesterday, so we just moved it back a day. We figured uh, nothing's really happening right now anyway, so everything will hold for 24 more hours. And now Dion joins me here on Locked on Pokes on a Thursday. Dion, what's going on? Good week so far? Average week so far? How we doing? And it's been a it's been a pretty fair week so far. Nothing nothing big, nothing nothing too exciting happening. Although Oklahoma State news is getting pretty interesting. So with the climb to football season potentially, looks like we are are in for an interesting one. Yeah, it uh, it definitely does. It's it's been a very weird off season, as we all know. It's been an extended off season that none of us really expected. Uh, I see the pictures from Stillwater yesterday. All the guys standing out on the field uh, in their masks, practicing. It's just it's a different world. It's a different look. Uh, I want to talk to you because it has been a uh, a somewhat exciting last month as an Oklahoma State fan. Last six weeks, really, ever since the day that the uh, NCAA ruling was handed down for Oklahoma State basketball, ever since then, it's it's like been constant news. And and not a lot of other programs have news right now. A lot of places, it's kind of boring right now, just waiting uh, for the hopeful start of football season. But at Oklahoma State, you had everything going on with basketball. You had Cade Cunningham, the re-recruiting, the recommitting. You had Mike Gundy. You had the shirt. You had Chuba, the brief boycott, the video. And now... Uh, you've got Chuba Hubbard, who is doing everything he can to stand up for what he believes in, uh, to try to do what he can to to, to help people, to help, uh, you know, obviously the cause with Black Lives Matter, to help black student-athletes at Oklahoma State. And earlier this week, uh, Chuba uh, took Oklahoma County District Attorney David Prater to task on Twitter for the way that he is handling uh, the arrests of some of the protesters over the last several weeks in Oklahoma County, um, charging some of these people with terrorism, holding them on million-dollar bail, called for the resignation of Oklahoma District Attorney David Prater. Um, so Chuba doing what he believes is right, and the the hate that he got from so-called fans Dion in his mentions was um, was mind-boggling. Uh, people talking about him being deported back to Canada. We don't want him here anyway. Stick to sports. Shut up and play. And I, I don't know. I, I've seen throughout this offseason, not just with Chuba, but around uh, college football, the era of shut up and play, that era has kind of come and gone, Dion. And I think these players have realized that they have a platform and that they have the power to speak out. Uh, and I think it's a good thing, but uh, Chuba's now stepping away from Twitter for a little while because his mentions have turned into what he calls a playground of hate, which was never his intention. So just curious your thoughts on everything that's happened uh, kind of this week with Chuba Hubbard, the uh, original tweets going after David Prater, and then the subsequent reaction from quote-unquote fans. Yeah, man, I, I was completely... I don't want to say completely unaware of what was taking place, but I was completely unaware of the situation. Uh, first and foremost, when I thought about that and from getting a, a brief description of what I've read lately in the last 24 hours, uh, I, I'm a little saddened to hear that Chuba is seeing his mentions and his Twitter turned into a place for hate. 
and that he's going to deactivate it because honestly, we need not just him, but individuals like him to bring these messages to the forefront yes. with his platform and the, with the ability that, that he has, because what he can do between the white lines, he can make, you know, incredible changes outside the white lines as well. And for, for him to, you know, kind of silence himself as far as on a Twitter platform where he can, you know, speak his mind whenever he wants to, to uh, 24 hours a day, 365 days a week is unfortunate because if he wouldn't have said anything, tweeted anything about this DA and about the situation, about the, the protesters that are, you know, putting they're putting a million dollar bonds on and, you know, treating them like terrorists. I would not have known. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people in Oklahoma and the world would not have known about this situation. So he being able to speak on his platform and, 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 and express his opinions and share to us his opinions, it makes us known and it makes the story known and it helps those individuals who are being, you know, treated wrongly in this country. He needs to continue to speak up and continue to say things so people like me and others can know about these situations and try to create changes. I, I understand where he's coming from, where uh, emotionally this is a lot to take on at, at his age and the situation that he's in. But, I mean, somebody has to carry this burden and somebody has to put this message out here and he's the guy to do it right now because of his abilities on the field and people listen to him. Unfortunately, the, the hate got to him. The, the people that so call themselves so-called Oklahoma State fans and others around the world treating him the way they are on his platform is, is you know, it's disgusting. And I hate to see it, but he cannot let these guys win. He has to continue to speak up and, and speak up for what's right so that we can know about it and we can make the changes that are necessary. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. It's it, it's so tough because you get people, and I saw somebody uh, commenting, I think somebody on Twitter, I think it was someone named Susan, uh, you know, just need to shut up and, and stick to sports, shut up and play football. That's what you're here to do. Uh, you know, we don't need your opinions on this other stuff. And, and I've always felt this way. I'm like, you know, because I worked for the franchise for a long time, and anytime any of us would say anything uh, about politics or, or any kind of stance that we have, you know, we'd get the same thing, the stick to sports. That's that's what we're here to hear you talk about sports, not not all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, you're an accountant. You work in construction. Uh, you know, you're a salesman, and you get on Facebook, and you share all, all of your opinions. Um, why, why, why should – why should Chuba Hubbard stick to just playing football? Why should we stick to just talking about football? And yet Susan and whoever else who works, you know, as an accountant or as a salesperson or whatever the case may be, but but they can get on. They don't need to stick to selling. They don't have to stick to accounting. They're allowed to, to say what they want to say, to do what they can do, to, to try to feel like they're making the world a better place and having a difference. I just, I really think that the shut up and play era is over, and I think for all the fans who haven't accepted that, you better come to realize that th- these players want your support not only for three hours on Saturday. And and until people figure that out, there's going to be a lot of upset people because there's only going to be, I think, more and more outspoken college athletes moving forward, Dion. Yeah, and, and it's only right. I mean, you saw 
earlier this week uh, or earlier this week or last week, Mississippi State running back who had a very influential uh, way about him and had a, a lot to say in the Mississippi State flag getting changed. He got the key to, to the state or the key to the city. And players like that who are doing the right things do need to be rewarded for them and not, you know, getting accused or being, you know, treated in just a hateful way. So, I mean, Chuba, I, I, if, if anybody, you know, can, can get the message out to him from me, tell him, I mean, you're doing the right thing, man. I mean, stay strong and do not let these people silence you. Yeah, absolutely. That was Kylan Hill, by the way, uh, that you mentioned, the running back down at Mississippi State, who, you, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he is the reason that the uh, the Mississippi State flag was changed and it was long overdue. Uh, he's from Columbus, Mississippi, and like you said, he was given the key to the city. Uh, the irony of him getting the Confederate flag removed from the Mississippi State flag and then receiving the key to his hometown, which is named Columbus, the irony there is thick. It is thick, thick, thick. Not on Kylan Hill's part, on the part of the town of Columbus, Mississippi, uh, which, of course, is obviously named after Columbus, uh, and, and yet the reward that he's getting uh, is for getting the Confederate flag removed from the, uh, from the Mississippi state flag. So, uh, anyway, a lot to unfold there. Dion, what do you say we take a break, come back on the other side, and talk about sports? You in? Sounds good. All right. Sounds like a plan. We will be back. We're talking about the uh, Oklahoma State basketball roster, which does have height and weight listed on it. Uh, You're going to like what you hear. We've also got which programs are the most and least efficient in college football in terms of how how much money they spend and how many wins they get out of that money. We've got all that and more coming up next. Stay with us here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back. Rolling along here on Locked on Pokes. Colby Powell, Dion Imade. Find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. And make sure you seek out our partners, Boone Pickens State on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the best Oklahoma State news and notes. You can find Dion, Dion Imade underscore 28 on Twitter and Instagram as well. Dion, uh, we've got a roster out for Oklahoma State basketball and I am so geeked for basketball season, probably even more so than football season. I, I saw yesterday on Twitter a uh, bunch of the national college basketball and NBA writers were asked if any of the 2021 players were in the 2020 draft, which one would be capable of going number one. And across the board, they were like, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham. Best prospect I've, uh, I've, I've gone over in years, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham. So then today we get an Oklahoma State basketball roster and Cade, who was recruited and listed at around 6'7", 205, on the first Oklahoma State basketball roster, Dion is listed at 6'8", 220. He's a point guard. He's going to be a problem in college basketball. Dion, I cannot wait to watch this young man play. Yeah, man. As soon as you see those stats and those statistics, I think in sports what we all like to do is, is find comparisons but, I mean, as far as, you know, Oklahoma State, we've never seen anything like this. And it is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm just praying. I mean, with everything being, you know, up in the air right now, I'm just praying that we get a chance to, you know, take part in this and, and, and you know, just 
be enthusiastic about it. I just, I, I just, I can't wait to see the excitement from the fan base and 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 see what it's going to look like on at Guyler Arena. It's oh my god, man! It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be wild. So you, you got Cade coming in at six eight two twenty. Some of the other freshmen, uh, Rondell Walker listed at six four one seventy. We know he's a little more slight of a guy. Donovan Williams, the kid out of Nebraska, Nebraska High School Player of the Year, four star recruit, six five two hundred. Right off the bat, the bat for Donovan Williams, uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, the number one recruit in the uh, country of Canada, six seven two fifteen. He's listed at so the, those are your uh, your your kind of wings, if you will. I know Cade's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but the guys that you're going to have out on the perimeter are going to be Cade Cunningham at six eight two twenty, Matthew Alexander Moncrief at six seven two fifteen, and then Isaac Likely has actually uh, grown an inch. He's now six five. He's listed at six five two fifteen. That is some uh, some beef. Montreal Pena six ten one ninety. That's your last freshman coming in. So the the size. Of these young kids, Dion, a lot of times you have to have that kind of transition as guys get bigger uh, and, and kind of get their bodies ready to play college. As far as as far as that goes, you know, Rondell Walker is a little more slight, but the rest of these guys have got some meat on their bones. They they could come in and very well be ready to uh, dominate Division One college basketball from day one. So I'm really curious to see what Boynton does with these lineups because he's got a lot of guards, he's got a lot of wings, he's got a lot of length, and how he mixes and matches these different lineups. Because you got to remember, the Boone twins are back. Chris Harris and Avery Anderson are back. Um, Farron Flavors, the, uh, the the grad transfer from Cal Baptist. A um, lot of guys, a lot of guys. Bryce Williams, the, the grad transfer from Ole Miss. So this is a lineup, Dion, I think could go 9-10 deep throughout the course of the season with a bunch of guys who can play multiple positions. Yeah, man, the competition in practice is going to be fierce. I'm going to tell you that right now because the way I see it, it feels like we're going to be in a situation where we're going to be playing positionless basketball other than those bigs with, you know, the Boone twin that's, that's, you know, probably a four or five depending on, you know, who's on the floor and then the new transfer who's coming in. Other than those two guys, those those bigs, those fives, those fours, I see a situation where we're playing a lot of position with basketball, whoever has the ball in their hands, bringing up the floor, everybody run, you know, this, this could be exciting. I'm interested to see, you know, the talent of coach Boynton and his, you know, ability to not coach a scheme, but coach the team, coach the guys that he has. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think the last couple of years, it's been hard to really determine how good of a coach Mike Boynton is because he's had to dismiss so many guys and they've had injury problems. It's just been one thing after another that's made life difficult for Coach Boynton. Uh, and of course COVID is still doing that. The NCAA appeal is still doing that, but I can't wait to uh to see these guys step out on the court. Dion turning the page and looking at college football this fall, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve are all considering a plus one scheduling model. So uh, obviously if the season were to be shortened, so they're saying essentially wipe out the non-conference, your, your, your current non-conference schedule, that is, uh, play your conference games, 
and then you add one non-conference game with one of these other Power 5 schools. So in this model, the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys would wipe out, what is it, Oregon State, Tulsa, uh, and whatever that third non-conference game is. It's it's a no-name. Um, would wipe out those three games and play, I don't know, somebody SEC, AC, A&M, Arkansas, somebody like that. If, uh, if it comes to that, I think that that would be a pretty fun model for college football fans and Look, in a season where we're just hoping we get games, every extra game is a bonus. So I'm in on a plus one model. I'm in on the plus one model, but not the way that you say it. I don't know if I want that non-conference uh, schedule to be against, it has to be against the Power Five. I'd be very interested in, you know, both of the, the Oklahoma schools playing Tulsa for their non-Power 5, uh, not, excuse me, non-conference game, keeping that one on the schedule, and, and then, you know, going into conference play. Because let's be honest, I mean, Tulsa is a very important cog in the whole, you know, football, you know, world of things here in Oklahoma. And we still need, you know, those, that school to be, you know, profitable and and. You know, me being living out here and us being in Oklahoma, those are the three schools that that we all have to you know to watch and view. I think economically, it 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 do a lot for us. Not only would it keep the guys a little bit more safer by keeping them in state, but and playing, but also would do a lot economically, helping Tulsa, you know, you know, stay afloat with with the, some of these game checks. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I would love to see Oklahoma State keep Tulsa on the schedule. I just, I, I really am to the point where I don't think they're going to be given that option because these different conferences that are coming through, and Tulsa's now in the American Athletic, I believe. So the problem is if, if the American Athletic goes to conference only, obviously that's going to hurt all of the teams in that conference because now th- these are schools, and obviously some of the Power Fives have already gone to conference only, so some of these games have already been wiped away, but the SEC has not done that. The Big 12 has not done that. Um, so so Tulsa could potentially still be on the, the schedule there, but all these smaller schools uh, are going to lose big-time checks that they have put in place uh, due to this pandemic, and, and it really is a shame for a school like Tulsa. Uh, it would be good, I think, for Oklahoma State to play Tulsa. It's always nice uh, to get your feet wet. I don't know, where do you fall? Where, where did you fall as a player? Did you like to have Louisiana Tech right out of the gate or even the, a lower level like a Savannah State, or are you a guy that uh, – like the year that it was Florida State week one. Where do you fall on scheduling? Oh, man, I haven't really ever thought about that. Uh, I'm, I'm always, you know, the thing about college football that was always funny, it was like, man, you got to be ready to play from, from jump. Like week one, you might be facing the returning national champions or week one, you might be facing, you know, a team that you can, you know, kind of get ready for I always liked the little rollout you know anticipation of just not a not a powerhouse but a team that you, you can at least you know bite your teeth into you know Mississippi State my senior year was a was a good game to get started with in my opinion yeah, it's not a juggernaut but but a, a, a good team that you can't like just Roll roll out the the ball the ball that was, and that was and Dak Prescott's Mississippi State team, wasn't it? 
it was. I remember that Prescott was not starting that game, but right. the starting quarterback did get knocked out, and that Prescott came into the game and never left that starting position again. No, so he did not. What's Dallas the Cowboy fan. 21-3, I think. You know, think us. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, hey, how about that defensive performance? Them Cowboys giving up three points? Yeah. That ain't bad. <laughs> that ain't bad. Did you say that that day? I did not get a chance to, you know, sack the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, future Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. If they'd have dialed you up on a blitz, I'm confident you would have gotten there if they'd let you let you dial it up on a blitz. I would have been back there for that for that (laughs) Mississippi State man. I would have been back back for that cowboy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Let's take a quick break. Come back on the other side. I just want to talk a little money. We got a little money on the other side. Uh, Real quick, we'll wrap this thing up. Which programs in college football are getting the most bang for their buck in terms of wins and the least bang for their buck in terms of wins? That's coming up next. Stay with us here on Locked on Pokes. back Colby Powell Dion Imade with me former Oklahoma State Cowboy wrapping things up here on a Thursday and Dion before we get out of here I want to get into uh, this list of most efficient and least efficient schools and, and, and I'm talking about money here so what we're doing is we're taking the total expenses that a university has we're taking the average number of wins that this school gets every year and we are oh, over the last five years should be um, and, and then we're basically figuring out how much money is spent per win at Power 5 University. So, uh, the top 10, we'll just run it down. Georgia is at number 10. Georgia has $143 million in expenses, wins an average of 10.8 games per year, so their cost per win uh, is, is $13 million and change. So, I won't give you the exact figures going through, but that's kind of how it works. They're one of only two schools with north of $100 million in sp- expenses who are on the top 10. Uh, other Big 12 schools on the list... West Virginia falls in at eight. Kansas State falls in at five. Oklahoma State, Dion, the fourth most efficient school in the country. Oklahoma State with $95 million in expenses, averaging nine wins per season over the last five years for an average cost of $11 million per win. Behind only Washington State at number one, Clemson at two, and Utah at three. Oklahoma State, Dion, I feel like for the amount of resources that it has in comparison to some of the big boys around college football, gets about as much out uh, of, of what they have, and these numbers kind of prove that and back that up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, my financially, me being the financial guy that I am, I'm kind of curious to see, I mean, if the dollar value equates in this, because you know, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, you know, price of, you know, price of living. Cost of living, yeah. Is a lot, yeah. Cost of living is a lot cheaper than some of these other states, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays into effect with this model. But I mean, as far as you know, spending the least amount of money and, and getting the most bang for their buck, I'm I'd say Oklahoma State's doing a pretty good job. And you know, it, it's you you can anticipate the schools that I mean, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Those type of schools, you know, doing more with less. That's just the way that we've been. That's just the tradition, the tradition that comes with those universities, and that's what you can expect. You want to have a good laugh before we get out of here on a Thursday? Let's, yeah. go, let's go down let's to the go least ahead. efficient. So I just told you, Oklahoma State, 
Uh, expenses, $95 million. Average wins over the last five years, nine. So 95 and nine are your two numbers you're looking at. The fifth least most efficient school in the country is Texas, Theon. Texas, th- this is mind-blowing. Staggering, staggering numbers. $204 million in expenses to average seven wins per season over the last five years. That's an average cost per win of $29 million at what is supposed to be one of the peak programs around the country. Let's look at all these schools. All these schools, except for one, in the in the bottom 10 of efficiency in college football, has spent more than Oklahoma State. Purdue, 102. South Carolina, 137. Arkansas. Wow. Arkansas, $130 million in expenses. 4.6 wins averaging over the last five seasons. Uh, $28 million per win. And then DFL, dead last in college football. You, you know who it is. Give me a guess, Dion. Big 12 school. Oh man, Big Twelve School. Big Twelve School. Kansas. Yes, yes. If you if you never <laughs> win, your cost per win is going to be pretty high. Uh, but I was surprised <laughs> to see that their expenses are higher than Oklahoma State's. Hundred nine million in expenses for Kansas to average one point eight wins over the last five seasons for an average cost per win of sixty million dollars. Rock chalk, baby. Rock chalk. <laughs> Well, the thing about Kansas, what's killing them is their basketball team is so successful, and so booster boosters are like, oh, "Well, I want to give money to the basketball," and, they're, and the football team is just like, "Well, y'all got to give up something." And every time they give them at least something, that dollar average goes up, and with the the same wins coming in, nothing is showing up. It so that's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma State continues uh, to get you know one of the most. One of the most uh, productive programs in the country with limited resources uh, in terms of how much college football teams are spending these days. So uh, great stuff from Oklahoma State over the past several years. Success on the field. Dion, great stuff today as always. It's nearly the weekend now. Enjoy Thursday and Friday. Have a good weekend. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, you stay good. I hope you all right, as Dion Amade joins me every week here on Locked on Pokes. That is all for me today. Everybody, hope you enjoy. Uh, do me a favor. Between now and next week, don't get on Twitter and say something hateful to a college football player. Just don't do it. If you have the urge, just fight the urge. Just keep on scrolling. Everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening once again to Locked on Pokes.